Okay. Oh. oh, God, you guys missed some good stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> you are listening to Movie Cinema Film, and this is going to be our review of If Beale Street Could Talk. And we have a special, special guest today. Very special guest. Uh, you know him very well. You love him. You can't live without him. Give it up for Brendan O'Brien. <laughs> Thank you. I was so flattered when I was listening to the episode two weeks ago and I got a shout out. I was, I was, I was literally at my computer, like, pot, like typing something. And I heard blah blah blah. Brendan O'Brien. And I was like, what? And I, I was like shell shocked. I didn't know what to do. I was kind of just like going back and forth. So yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. It's been a long time coming. I know. I've been very, very. I was, I was super bummed I couldn't be here for the favorite because I love the favorite so much. But it was a good episode. Yeah. So thank you. I thought you were gonna say the other B word. I thought you were going to say, I'm so busy. I'm so <laughs> busy, yes. Uh, I'm like the third busiest person in the world behind Kelly Blake and Leah. <laughs> <laughs> They're way busier than I am. Yeah, we have this bit in Rhino where we talk about how busy we are. I won't uh, get too into it. You'll just have to come to a show and see. Leah's too busy to get into it right now. Right, I would love to, but I'm just too busy. You're too busy. Uh, so... You guys are doing something really exciting right now, which is directing a movie. I think it's sitting next to you. I'm like, yes. Oh, no. wow. Did we just get <laughs> script flipped? You're going to interview us? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, this is a movie podcast, and you guys are directing a movie right now. And I, we haven't talked about it very much on the podcast, so do you just want to give people a synopsis of the movie and what you guys are working on totally yeah well brendan's the talker so i'll let him do the talking <laughs> yeah you're interject. the one with the podcast <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one time that we were meeting with an actor who ended up becoming uh the, the one of the the lead roles in the film um ryan Danisco, and uh it was at the, after that point that jordan told me it's like yeah brendan pretty much just, like talks and like he'll like he gets like all the the, the, the important things out of them but in reality jordan comes in and like says what i said just in way less words yeah. much more efficiently so um, so we'll do that right now. I'll just talk for like three hours and then Jordan will come in and say the same thing in two minutes. Uh, so yeah, we're, so we're making a film uh, and uh, Jordan and I are co-directing it and it was brought about by uh, a, an improv scene that was done at Rhino where we were doing a, a documentary scene and uh, we ended up doing a scene about a cult a cult documentary or like the making of a cult documentary and we like thought it was very funny but like all improv scenes you kind of just do them and then you move on don't and then you like do a different scene then we brought the idea to jordan at one of our like powwow writers room extravaganzas at rhino and jordan was like totally hooked on it and you know that jordan's like totally hooked on on an idea when he's like like eyes wide like mouth open just whoa what? <laughs> you guys can't see his face, but his eyes were oh, wide yeah. and his mouth was wide open. It's true. <laughs> it kind of looks like me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and so uh, the general idea is uh, Jordan is uh, playing a character who is a filmmaker or a pers- uh, a prospective filmmaker looking for his first big feature subject. Award-winning amateur documentarian Jared Reed. That's right. He'll be the first and the second and the third person to tell you that. And so he, uh, he he's looking for a subject and can't find one, and then he stumbles upon this group of people who he believes to be a, uh, a cult. Uh, though they, they say that they are an improv group, uh, he believes they are definitely a cult. That's yeah. That. Yeah, that's pretty much that's it. That's pretty good gist of it. Cool. Yeah, and it's uh, very improvised, so if you guys are fans of improv, we have some good stuff. 
Uh, we're excited to show you. Yeah. And if you are someone who comes to the Rhino shows, you will see many of familiar faces in the film as many of the characters are made up of rhinos or mutts or extensions of our comedy community, including Leah. Yes. So. I have a very interesting role. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> she is the sound engineer. Yeah. And I don't know if I... Thank you, guys. I don't know if I've said that because... Even though all the other parts are really cool, I appreciated that I got kind of like a separate part. Like I wasn't just in the improv group because like I'm already in an improv group, so mm-hmm. I like playing something different than what I already am. Honestly. Yeah, well, we well, talked you about. Remember it. when we first talked to you, right? Yeah. About this, mm-hmm. you were like, "Make me the spot, the star." <laughs> right. So we had to put in some kind of <clears throat> part that was dope. Yeah, it is a mistake that I'm not in every scene, but I'll let that slide for you guys on this one. Your second feature, I expect to star in. Cool. We couldn't book you. Tell your management to get <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you're so busy. I am. I'm so busy that I don't even have time to give you my manager's information. So I'm just too busy. <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but we'll work that out with your agent. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're in the, in the process of filming, um, and uh, we are looking to wrap principal photography within uh the next month or so so uh, and if you donate money to the podcast my half of the money goes directly to making this film word. <laughs> <laughs> oh um give him a plug uh the uh jared reed instagram that you made oh yeah we have an instagram for the film that's done by director jared reed you can find it at beware the horn that's the title of the movie by the way i don't think you guys said that <laughs> oh right yeah <laughs> yeah the movie is called beware the horn coming to we're thinking like bars near you maybe i don't know yeah. maybe sundance we, maybe not we I did don't know. we did talk about, <laughs> about doing a, a bar tour and just like bringing it around and then just bringing cool. improvisers to do an improv show afterwards so that's a possibility i like that yeah maybe we'll just rent out all of the old movie theaters in the country yes and then put them to good use save the theaters stop letting digital take our jobs mm. As I'm doing a film on a DSLR. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was like, are you guys shooting on 35 millimeter? Or? You guys are going to notice the film is very grainy because we have what you call low light in a lot of scenes. <laughs> it is the film grain that everybody knows and loves. <laughs> We're trying to be authentic. Yeah. Well. Wow, thanks for that yeah, thanks. plug. Thanks, Leah. You're very welcome. Anytime you want to come on the podcast and talk about, you know, shill your wares, I'm good. I don't even know what that means. It means, like, like sell the sell what you're doing to oh, the world. Okay. You know, yeah. like, they can't buy the cow if they get the milk for free. Yeah. Because, like, you already have the milk, so how could you buy it? Wait, so There's no milk left. Are we the cow in this situation, or the, the buyer of the cow? Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're a self-employed cow. Yeah. I feel like that phrase <laughs> is so... It, it's mainly it, I feel like it was mainly used to oppress women because it was like oh don't oh, have yeah, sex with is. that guy because he, he won't marry you if he gets the milk for free yeah wait it's used to impress women no no no, 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 no to no. oppress oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah that's a terrible phrase <laughs> that's what I was saying you know saying it ironically I love being compared to a bovine nothing gets me going like that there you go yeah so, today on the podcast, we are going to talk about... Spin it feels the theme reel. The theme wheel. Yeah, we need a theme song theme. A theme theme song. Oh, I've this... theme for the movies. Yeah. Because we do that before Beale Street. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, we yeah. need a theme theme song. A 
for this here. section of the for this section <laughs> of the podcast, we need like something to we need a musical piece to come on. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, what we do in every episode is we pick a new movie that is in theaters now to discuss, but then we also pick we each recommend one movie to you that is related in similar themes or in just any kind of strange way that they could possibly be related. So since Regina King took home the Golden Globe this past Sunday for Best Supporting Actress in this movie, we decided that we would each recommend a movie where the actress won Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globe specifically. So... Brendan, you're our guest. Would you like to go first? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there was one that I initially thought of, but I decided not to take it because I think it might be yours. So, really? Yeah, but... Okay, well, okay, anyway. So... Well, uh, it might not be hers You can tell she's me. she's already done it, so she can't do it now. I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll say it afterwards if you end up not picking it. Um, <laughs> but I, the, the choice I came up with today uh, is actually a childhood favorite of mine, and it is... Uh, from the 1972 classic Poseidon Adventure with Shelley oh, Winters winning the cool. Supporting Actress Award. Yeah. Uh, so, have you guys seen the Poseidon Adventure? Literally never heard of it. I do, you've never heard of that? Well, it's it's kind of like, it was a big like landmark film in history. Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of these big like action-adventure films. Oh. Yeah, because I, I, was, I was doing some research today, and that time there was a lot of uh, disaster movies were very popular, like Towering and Towering Inferno came out, and Wait, then was Earthquake. It? Was it 70s? 72, yeah. Cold War. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good old Cold War. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But it's, it's funny because I actually, uh, I just had a conversation with Maria like three days ago about the Poseidon Adventure. So when that was the prompt that was given, I was like, this is just destiny. <laughs> uh, but it was also one of the first DVDs I remember getting when I was a kid. Uh, so uh, should I talk about it? Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Uh, have you seen it before, Leah? I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. I've maybe, I remember something about it from childhood, but I really don't remember it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's, it is a like, you know, Typical kind of disaster movie, you know, people are on a ship and uh, the ship gets flipped over upside down and the whole thing is uh, the, these people are trying to survive. So it's an, ense- it's an ensemble film and um, it's like 90% of the people, it's, it's also on New Year's Eve, I think, because uh, the whole thing is like when they're counting down to midnight, uh, the ship gets capsized and turned over and so 90% of the people are all like deciding to go with the captain who's played by Leslie Nielsen <laughs> before he did like any of the like funny wacky things he did. He's like a very serious captain <laughs> of the boat. Um, so, like, they're all going with him, and they're going to go off, and try, they, they, they believe that he, had, you know, knows where to go, and then Gene Hackman leads, like, a smaller crew of people who uh, all believe him because he plays a, a pastor or a father or a priest of some kind, and, uh, and, and there's, it's, like, them trying to get to the bottom of the boat, uh, from the top, because right. now it's, it's capsized, um, and the reason why I picked this movie, because there was a couple other ones that I thought of, and... Uh, I chose this one because there's sometimes that people win supporting actor or actress awards, and it's just because they were on screen for very little time. Like it's, it's like they were like technically less uh, less like time on screen, so they didn't get the lead actor or actress, right? Uh, but I always enjoy supporting actor or actress awards that go to someone who like their character and their performance supported the ensemble and also mm-hmm. supported the main character in their journey, right? And I feel like Shelley Winters very much did that because. I said before, it's an ensemble piece, right? And uh, so it's all of them, like, working together, but they're 
like personalities coming into conflict and Shelly Winters does a lot of great things in terms of like being a like like literally like at one point I want wish I spoil it or should I not you can spoil it okay. it came out a long time spoilers ago. for the Poseidon adventure right, spoilers 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 <laughs> oh, that's not the right spoiler oh no 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 rewind so can I give a spoiler for Poseidon adventure yes be warned people alright this is the spoiler for Poseidon adventure so uh, Shelly Winters' character uh, her big thing is that she uh, she's older and she's married uh, in the movie to uh, the actor who played uh, Grandpa Joe in, uh, ah, in Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> um, and her thing is like she's like very overweight and uh, she I guess when she was younger she was uh, a, like very skinny and she was a swimmer she was athletic and she's like doesn't think she's beautiful anymore and so like the, the, throughout the whole movie she feels like she's a weight. Um, like pulling the entire group down is trying to survive because she knows that she's like the weakest and she's the one who like ev- she knows that everyone is looking at her thinking like if we're if we don't survive it's because of her and so uh, toward the end of the movie they get to this one point where uh, a section of the boat is submerged underwater and uh, they and like no one like they they can't figure out who's gonna be the one to go under and like they have to like get the door open or something Uh, but Gene Hackman's the leader so he goes first and he doesn't come back so then Shelley Winters' character she volunteers and says no I'll do it and they're like no you're crazy you're not gonna be able to do it you're a fat woman and she's and she like just like says like screw you guys she jumps in saves Gene Hackman's character and ends up dying and and, like sacrifices herself yeah it's like a very like like, I remember being a kid and like crying during that part Uh, and it's like a very emotional scene between her and Gene Hackman who's the main character character and uh yeah overall it's just a very dope movie uh red buttons gene hackman uh, uh ernest borenine it's like a really great cast and i, I love it a lot cool yeah. thanks brendan okay. you know there was that uh that not so well received sequel that came out yep. Yep. just Titanic. called Titanic. no <laughs> <laughs> it was just called poseidon it had emmy rossum in it poor kurt russell got sucked into that monstrosity you know sometimes he gets sucked into these things but yeah He's the best. He is. Okay, Jordan, what's yours? Oh my gosh, middle, middle child. Middle man. <laughs> All right. Um, I thought that it was a weird selection of films for the mm. Golden Globes for Best Supporting Actress. Um, I have not seen a lot of them. I guess I have to expand my horizons and watch more of these films. Mm. Um, but one of my favorite, I guess like there are some good ones on the list. Uh, I'm going to go with a very recent one though because i really loved it and i'm gonna go with i tanya okay awesome allison janney yeah taking home the golden globe for best supporting actress word uh i really loved her in the role i thought it was awesome being around sports my whole life like i was an umpire mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> uh I know those parents. Picturing you in the uniform. Anyway. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> There's not really a uniform, right? I was just wearing, like, a polo shirt. The mask. Oh, the mask. Yeah. yeah. I was also a catcher when I played baseball. Mm. Nice. So I was also wearing a mask. Word. So if we ever cross paths, Greenwood Lake versus Warwick Baseball. Wait, I also was a catcher and also, also wore a mask. We probably played oh. each other, but they definitely played each other because Greenwood Lake definitely combined their teams. Yeah. Like, their seniors and juniors. Did you play into seniors? Oh, uh, no. I was, like, little league. <laughs> like, I was 12 years old was peak. Uh, oh, I Brandon. thought you were, like, a baseball baseball player. Like, I thought you played a long time. No, I I just didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I did. I played from when I was, like, 5 to, was a long time, to like, 12. Years, yeah. yeah, so. But, yeah. But, no, I, I, I bottomed out before high school good old days 
unlike Tanya Harding, yeah, unlike went Tanya all the Harding. way. Yes. <laughs> she went all the way. And yeah, no, I just thought the film was great last year. Uh, it was one of my favorite films of the year, which I'll probably talk about it if we have a 2017 episode. I don't know if we're still going to do that. Since we still need to have our 2018 episode. Ooh. That'll be coming right before the Oscars, guys. We should do it the week before the Oscars, I think. Word. I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I was assembling it the other day. Oh, oh your cool. list. Yeah, compiling all yeah. my things. Yeah, I'm still seeing some of the ones that I haven't seen, so I'm, I'm kind of like editing the list as I go along. Yeah, same. Yeah. But yeah, I love, I also loved I, Tanya, especially like I was so with her because like, she's been so reviled in the media mm. and in like the culture and she really was incredible like what she was able to do and I really love that they took the time to show like how difficult triple axle actually is and like they point out how like most of the time when you see a skater do it it's actually a double axle Mm. and how a triple axle is so risky that most skaters will not even attempt it because if they get hurt when they're training then they cannot go far and go to the olympics the scene with the dummy Oh, so yeah, Yeah, and and like they, like they they show her like going through so many like, you know, trials and and troubles in her life and going through so much. And when she finally nails that, and she's like, so many people said I wouldn't do it, but fuck you, I Mm. did. I was like crying. I was like, yes, Tanya. Yeah. It's really powerful. And the way that they like they were like, okay, wait, stop. Like and that guy played by Bobby Cannavale from the, the the Hollywood guy, he like he's like, I don't think you guys realize how hard this is, you know, and like actually broke it down. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't realize. And when then, then when, now when I think about it, I'm like, how does any human being physically pull that off? Like the type of athlete you have to be to be a figure skater is mind blowing. Yeah, no, we're jaded. Like we've like we like we've seen so much good ice skating that we're like, Oh god, yeah. Like show me something different. <laughs> do, do eight axles and then yeah. I'll be impressed. And I, I remember I read and or heard an interview where Margot Robbie was talking about it because she produced the film too mm-hmm. and she was saying like, Oh, it's okay, like for this part we'll just get a figure skater to do it and it'll be no problem and like her advisor, like for all the figure skating stuff was like, You're not gonna get anybody and she was like oh this is like a movie though like somebody will want to do it and they're like no no one's going to risk doing it for your movie they want to get to the olympics like you're not going to get anyone so they cgi'd that (laughs) oh yeah i thought you were going to say that they they wouldn't do it because of tanya harding and because like of the reputation and they wouldn't like do you know like like do other figure skaters have like a weird feeling about tanya harding I don't know. I mean... Nancy Kerrigan doesn't like her. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that, yeah. <laughs> she she didn't mind her portrayal in the film. <laughs> right, right. She's like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, even though it's it's super recent, I mean, that doesn't matter. It's a good choice. And oh, I, yeah. Allison Janney is like the queen of supporting actresses. Like, she she's done so many of those like in this was like not that small but like she's done so many of those like small supporting roles where she just like shows up and is like fucking amazing like american beauty Mm -hmm. she plays that like stifled mom like with the crazy husband and like she's just kind of like sitting there i mean it looks like yeah Yeah. and the color like (laughs) the color like drains out of her face like every scene it's like mind-blowing she's so good she's played a lot of different moms like really great moms she was the mom in juno also and she's so good in that and then she i love juno yeah yeah and then she's like uh, tanya harding's mom in this one Mm -hmm. wow yeah i was really happy to see her win an oscar because she just deserves an oscar in general i thought that 
Laurie Metcalf's performance in Lady Bird was more, uh, had more layers, had more of an arc. Unfortunately, the way they wrote it, her uh, part in I, Tanya was just very, like, one note. Mm -hmm. And then when you think she's going to have some depth, it's like a fake out. So that was disappointing because if they had given her more depth, like, Alice and Janie 100% could have done it. <laughs> like, there oh, would have totally. been no doubt that she would have nailed it. But I'm still, I'm, like, I didn't really mind because I just love her and I've loved her for years. So I'm just happy she has one. Yeah, I feel the same way about, like, Laurie Metcalf being... <clears throat> a much more layered character, but the thing I think I realized I liked so much about Allison Janney's character, she's kind of like, even though the movie is, the whole thing is funny, like or a lot of it is funny, Allison Janney's character is like very much like like consistent comic relief. Like, you know, like every scene that you like get her in, she's gonna make you laugh in some way or like make you like just like be like shocked or surprised by what she says or does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing of the bird is just phenomenal. Like that, like that, like, like the bird should have gotten like up, like been up there for the, uh, the acceptance speech for the, uh, the Oscar as well. I agree. But she was there for the Golden Globes, right? The bird was? I think so. Oh, Didn't really? You know? Oh, I don't know. I remember that vaguely now. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're her publicist. Maybe I am. Go back and look at that video. <laughs> Are you just in the background? Like a ghostly, foggy shadow? I'm the bird, actually. Yeah, I'm <gasps> I would sure. enjoy that. Yeah. And that's why you want to get taken along to the Oscars. <clears throat> yeah, I want more recognition. She took a different date. Yeah. Sorry, bird. So I guess we're at my. That's right, choice. we are. <laughs> so one thing I actually really like about the Golden Globes is even though they split, they split the lead acting categories into musical or comedy and drama, which most of the time makes little to no sense uh, as regarding like who they put Especially in one. this year, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and last year when they put Get Out in in musical or comedy, try to figure that one out. God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But for supporting actress, they only have one category, so you have to be really good. There's not ten chances, there's five chances, so I always really like that, so I just wanted to throw that in there. Do you guys think it's going to ever switch over to just <coughs> actors, and it's just like ten people of any gender? For the Globes, or in general? Like in for general. No, I don't, but I think that there is, there might be an issue if someone who's non-binary makes mm. it to that level of success, because then how do you decide? I mean, you would have to ask them, I guess, which which they prefer to be in. But I think what is more likely to happen is whichever category, whichever group has the uh, the least strong like contenders, that's the group that that non-binary person will end up in. Because if they have uh, I don't think five... that's what non-binary people would want. <laughs> no, but... I feel like they would want it to just be all together. Yeah. No, but if you're fighting your whole life, I mean, it's it's hard for me, and I don't have that struggle of being non-binary. Like, if you fought your whole life, and you're you're at the you're about to get nominated for an Oscar, and they tell you, like, we know you're non-binary, but, like, if we put you in the male category, you're nominated. We, we can't put you in the female category, because we have Meryl Streep, Kate Winslet, Amy Adams, we blah 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 blah. Then they probably say, "Okay, I'm fine with being mm. in in the in the acting category." Because at the end of the day, it's just kind of like a, it's just kind of like a title. I would like it if it was no more than five men, no more than five women, ten nominees. Right, but if you, but again, if you're non-binary, and you could be in that, not just not more than five, it could be ten non-binary. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's oh, kind okay. of an interesting thing that. People are going to have to start thinking about that and talking about that. Yeah. So. I think there's, there's probably going to be a lot of backlash just because, like, especially the Oscars, they're so, like, hung up on tradition and they just, like, want to keep things the same. So I feel like it would take a lot to get them to, like, 
break off there. Cause, like the whole thing is like, oh, like when you win on a best actor, best actress, like you won an award that all these great actors have won before. So mm-hmm. I think they're gonna have like a hard time like convincing people to get over on that. But mm-hmm. yeah. well, I think the first step is having a trans man or woman be nominated before non-binary. <clears throat> I think that's that's something that people <clears throat> still don't under- understand. Vega should have gotten nominated if she didn't get nominated. For what? She didn't. Uh, a Fantastic Woman. I guess she didn't get nominated. No, oh, but people were talking but about that But that movie that was movie. nominated for something. I... It won Best Foreign Film. Yeah. Right, right, right. Good. Okay. Yeah. So that, and there's also like Laverne Cox who's been nominated for television because of Orange is the New Black. So that might not be too far behind. Right. Yeah, that's true. Anyway... My well, pick. Pick. Maybe they just create the non-binary category, and then it just forces people to cast them because it's like, oh, you're gonna miss out on mm. possible nominations for Oscars. Mm, like, there's just an Oscar that's up there for a bunch of actors who have not been given opportunities in the past, and we're gonna immediately start rewarding them for mm-hmm. the strides that they make. Yeah, I- I'm seeing that more and more with castings when I'm applying to things. It's like they'll be like, this role can be played by a man or woman or a non-binary. So I feel like they're gonna start, you know, when there's like. When there's, like, a lead character and then there's, like, her three friends or something in a movie, it's mm-hmm. like, well, one of them can be non-binary sure. and, and nobody can just, like, we can just not make it a big deal. Like, I think that's the most important thing is just, like, having a non-binary person in there and it's not, like, a big thing. Like, like are they male or are they female? Like, it's not in the script. It's just kind of, like, they're another friend and that's right. fine. Somebody was two-spirit in The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Oh, I didn't see it yet. Same, but it's in the library. I came very close to renting it. I think I'm going to rent it tomorrow when I go back. So. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. That director has a series on Hulu also. Who is it? Who's the director? Desiree Akava. What's the series? Bisexual is what it's called. Oh, just called cool. like six episodes. Cool. So, Leah, what's your picks? What's your pick? My pick, I wanted to pick one that was older because I keep picking such new movies. And... It's my favorite actress of all time, Goldie Hawn. Is this what you were gonna? This is absolutely not. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. At first, I thought you were gonna pick adaptation because we were talking about it the other yes, day. Yes, yes. I almost picked adaptation. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was did. one of my. Yeah, right. <laughs> we all almost picked it. Um, but then I saw Almost Famous. I'm like, oh, she like I know you love Almost Famous, so I, I didn't know if you're gonna do that or if you're like, oh, I talked about it already. Yeah, I did already talk about it. If you want to hear me go on and on about Almost Famous, listen to episode one. But it is Kate Hudson though, who got who won, right? She did win. Yeah, yeah. So. and she didn't win the Oscar, unfortunately. But she. Well, but speaking of Kate Hudson, Goldie Hawn. Her mama yeah. did win the Golden Globe, but for Best Supporting Actress in 1970 for the 1969 comedy Cactus Flower. Have you guys seen this movie? No, no. So this is a really, it's like the epitome of they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really inappropriate late 60s, like zany comedy with Walter Matthau, Goldie Hawn, and Ingrid Bergman. Ooh. So, yeah, so there's Walter Matthau playing this doctor, and he's dating Tony, who's played by Goldie Hawn. He's much older than her. And uh, he breaks up with her, and he doesn't really have a good reason, except that he's just, like, this playboy doctor. So he says, oh, I, you know, I have a wife and kids that I have to go back to. I can't I can't get divorced or whatever. I'm so sorry. Thinking that she'll be like, oh, I get it. You have kids. Like, 
whatever, you know? And she ends up uh, attempting suicide over the breakup, and he has this, like, revelation where he's like, oh my god, this woman loves me so much. Like, no one's ever loved me like this, that she she couldn't live after I broke up with her. Like, I'm gonna marry her. So he goes back to her, and he says, I'm so sorry, I made the biggest mistake of my life. Let's get back together. And she says, well, what about your wife? How can you just leave your wife and He's like, oh, she wants to get divorced anyway, and, like, we've been having problems for a long time, and, and whatever, and she's like, well, I have to meet her, because this isn't right, and I don't want her to think I'm a homewrecker, and, like, you know, I, we have to have a conversation, like, woman to woman, and he's like, okay, great. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 60s. <laughs> right? And so then he goes to Ingrid Bergman, who's his long-suffering nurse at the, at his office, and she's been secretly in love with him for however many years she's been there, and, of course, Ingrid Bergman is known for Casablanca so it's awesome seeing her in this like comedy because she plays the straight man and she's just really good and and she's awesome and it's like I really miss when they had these like not that they don't now but when they have literally like these iconic like serious dramatic actresses in comedies it like strengthens it so much oh yeah and Jennifer Lawrence I wouldn't say she's on the level of Ingrid Bergman. I know oh, yeah. I'm in the mini- minority there. Yeah, she's not really done like a, a real comedy either, right? American Hustle is a comedy. Kind of. Yeah, but that's not like a comedy comedy. Yeah. Also, I haven't, I haven't seen it, so I can't really say. You haven't seen it? Oh, no. Okay. No. Sorry to derail. No, it's okay. <laughs> so he goes to her and he's like, please, can you be my wife? I just need a wife. And, and she's like, oh my God. Like, because she loves him, you know, and, and and he's, like, not for a long time, just, like, 15 or 20 minutes. Like, it has this really sharp comedic dialogue that is not in movies anymore. Mm. Like, there's still good comedic dialogue in movies today, but it's not like this. I can't really explain it. So, a film historian would do a better job, but it's, like, it's something that you just don't hear. And it's, like, the kind of kind of comedy, like, from The Apartment or something oh, like that. I just watched it for the first time the really? other day. Oh, yeah. It's totally. so good, That's what it? I was thinking when you, when, you, when you were talking about, like, really, like, whip smart, like, like it's not dialogue. It's clever dialogue, but it's not like obnoxiously clever. It's just like it's like it just move, everyone moves quick. Like the, the pacing mm-hmm. of the the way that people talk is just like right. And smart. and most people are like morally confused. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And so uh, and so that's the main plot. And and you know she won this when she was really young. She was known as a TV actress, and back then TV was nothing like it is today. So it, it wasn't like you could just win an Oscar. She ended up going on after this to win the Oscar, and you know it wasn't like someone from TV would just go win an Oscar. So it was kind of like unprecedented. And she uh, did like this movie like launched her. Like this was in the days of like you could get a role that just like makes you a star overnight. And it's really funny, and it's a really good movie. It's one of those that ha- is like really zany and silly but at the same time has this like strong these like strong emotional truths in mm. there somewhere so i recommend it if only for like the fabulous like 60s new york outfits and vibe it's mm. really good and, and then all three actors are like so iconic and like like really good yeah i did have the two movies that you mentioned as my honorable mm. mentions word That's adaptation and almost famous yeah it's also a good segue to our next film <laughs> with good images of New York. Oh, oh yeah. true, true. And, and, and a time period piece. Yes. Well, I guess, I guess that wasn't a period piece. Wait. It wasn't a period no. piece at the time. No. Now, now it is. <laughs> well, it still is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a period piece? Uh, no, one. because it came out in 1969 and it's set in the oh, 60s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If a movie's made in 1969 but it takes place in 1968, is it a period piece? <laughs> I don't know, but you know what I was thinking about when I saw mid-90s? Like, 
it's weird now that I'm old enough Wait, where... Did you just see it? Like, Is that a new thing? Like last week? Yeah, yeah. that's new. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm... <laughs> it's just my favorite film of the year. <laughs> Is it your number one? I don't know. We'll have to wait until we'll the see. rankings to find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about how trippy it is that like a period piece could now be like my era. Oh, yeah. Like a period piece is no longer Titanic. You know, it's like. No. And there's going to be a lot more stuff that takes place in the 90s coming out, probably in the next like 10 years. So sure. anything with landlines is a period piece, basically. Yeah. I guess so. If it's just set back 10 years. Yeah, I remember last year people were talking about like, is Lady Bird a period piece? Because it was 2002. Yeah, and, and like, what is the amount of years that have to go by before something's a period <laughs> That's piece? That's a period piece for sure. Yeah, because it was made in that year on perfect for a reason because it was like before cell phone, like there were smartphones Specific. got very popular. Yeah. So Also right after 9-11. Right, right. Which I did not even realize that aspect of the timing and kind of yeah. the world's gonna end. Yeah. And like, what are we gonna do? That's I why I gotta go follow, follow my dreams. Like, <laughs> That's probably why Timothy Chalamet's character is so like, it's like, <laughs> like the pressure's like the world sucks. Nine eleven just happened. Also, his dad's dying, so I guess that's part of it as well. <laughs> Should we just do a Ladybird episode through <laughs> the lens of nine eleven? Yeah, yeah, totally. I just want to say something, and that is that Timothy Chalamet wore a glitter harness to the Golden Globes, Yo, and that's all I have to say. That was, Yo. oh, that was that was baller. That was like one of my favorite outfits of the entire night. I love him. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so we have this movie. We had, we had a great segue, and then we blew it. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> not in if Field Street can talk. Please come on the podcast, Timothy. Yeah. He grew up in Hell's Kitchen, so he's around. Just saying. Anyways. We're contemporaries. Right, we're the same. Yeah. So we yeah. all saw this. <laughs> we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys think I'm funny. Thank God. You're anyway. Super You're super funny. I'm hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, come out and see the mutts. Yeah. When's our next show? Oh, January twenty sixth. Okay, guys. So, Barry Jenkins. He is a genius, right? New film. And so, before we get into the film, we usually ask each other how we came to this film. And let's start again with our guest, Brendan. What was your, what did your knowledge of this film? How did you come to this film? Why did you go see this film? I uh, definitely saw it because Barry Jenkins directed it for sure. Because I, uh, like almost everyone saw Moonlight two years ago, right? When it came out? 2016. Yeah. Uh, and like that movie blew me away. Uh, I, I went to, like, I saw like a late screening at the Palisades by myself. No one else in the theater. I think it was like the last screening of, uh, of it in our area. And I was like sitting there like, like, two o'clock in the morning walking home after the movie was over and I was just like like I I was like replaying images in my head so I fell in love with Barry Jenkins right away uh and then I saw the trailer for this Uh, they had that great Fuji song on there and I was sold and I'm like yeah like I don't have to see anything else I'm ready to like watch this right now yeah so is there anything that you could have seen in that trailer that would make you not see a Barry Jenkins film uh Probably not. Right? I, yeah, no, I don't think so. You, you just, like, put Barry Jenkins, like, on a TV, and I'm like, yeah, just take me there. Mm-hmm. I feel like he could be, like, Beyonce. Like, you know how Beyonce doesn't, like, release anything before her album? Like, she doesn't do a single. She doesn't do any press. Like, she just drops an album mm-hmm. now. I feel like Barry Jenkins could just drop a movie, and everyone would instantly watch it and not even need to know anything. <laughs> would, I would. I would definitely. He's, like, getting there, and he's made fucking three films. Yeah. Three I, think it, I think he has, like, one more big one. That's how 
how like that's like when people are really gonna be like, oh okay, like everyone's gonna know who Barry Jenkins is. Mm-hmm. We have to take out medicine for melancholy from the library. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Same. Whoa. Um, what was your feelings going into the film? My feeling was Moonlight is not just a great film. I feel like Moonlight is a, like a cultural landmark. And I think it's an exceptional film. I think it's a miracle that it won uh, Best Picture, and I'm so happy that it did. And I did not expect it to be as good as Moonlight or better than Moonlight at all. So I kind of went in, not with low expectations, but just like, this guy's amazing, and basically whatever he has to serve, I'm fine with it. And yeah, that's, I mean, like I said with Brendan, like, I basically would have seen any, if it was like, you know, clowns, like, jumping into a vat of glue and then covering themselves with feathers and running down the street, I'd be like, like, yes. Especially that. Especially that, yeah. They don't make movies like they used to, man. Jenkins, if you're listening, you can buy the option. Yeah, what about you, Jordan? Um, so similar to Brendan and you, like, I had the same feelings about Moonlight. I had seen it at the New Orleans Film Festival, which I'm pretty sure was one of its first festivals that it went to. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it went to Toronto first. And, like, it was getting hype already at that point in November of 2016. And I was pretty depressed this weekend. I was doing the pitch competition for, like, student filmmakers, for, like, college students at the New Orleans Film Festival. And my film was basically already done. So I was pitching something to get, like, funding when I had already made the film. And my professor, like, made me pitch something that was done when I could have, like, pitched a new idea or something. Mm. Um, But whatever. Uh, Weird weekend. I got an all-access pass, but did not use it at all, unfortunately, (laughs) Um, except for Moonlight, Mm. and it was well worth it. I just showed up alone, um, went up to the cocktail party at the Ace Hotel, (laughs) and just, like, walked around and was like, ooh, I'm (laughs) (laughs) all-access. Did not talk to anybody, because I was like, I don't have anything to say to people, I don't have a film here. And then I went down and watched it, and was just stunned, blown away. And it was a film that stuck with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. My professor was like, "Oh, Moonlight sucked." And I was just like, Blast "This is why. This is why you don't like anything that I make." <laughs> <laughs> was he a film professor? She. She was she a film professor? She was. I don't want to name her on the podcast. Oh man, girl. Something gets back to her, but I don't know that you um, should be teaching people yeah, about movies. Yeah, what you doing? Nah, she. Well, she just likes Hollywood. Like, mm. that is her. Like, she loves, like, old Hollywood. Oh, okay. okay. That's, like, her jam lady. is, like, 80s movies. And stick to the formula. Like, get the beats that you have to hit. Get out. Mm. Um, no, she taught me a lot of good things, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. We just disagreed creatively. Right. Um, <laughs> Which yeah. was good, because it challenged me creatively to have to, like... Be like, oh, I have to make this super good because she said it's not going to be good. (laughs) So this movie is, as we said, directed by Barry Jenkins, also adapted from the book by James Baldwin. Have you guys read the book? Nope. Nope. Me either. So if anyone is listening who has not seen the film, it is about a young couple who are very in love and the man in the relationship is wrongly accused of rape. 
just around the same time that the woman in the relationship gets pregnant. She's very young. She's 19. And while she's pregnant, she has to fight this battle of trying to get him acquitted. So. That is a good summary. Yeah. It is. That was Without any spoilers. There we go. Yeah, this is the spoiler-free section of the podcast, so if you're listening and you're worried we're going to reveal something, don't worry. We will let you guys know when we have the non-spoiler section. So we always have a section at the beginning where we talk about the film in general without revealing spoilers, and then we get into the section where we actually reveal spoilers. What are you boys doing? Sorry, I was, I, I was pulling up this... <laughs> crushing on Barry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it started off because I went on Wikipedia to pull up the, uh, the If Beale Street Could Talk Wikipedia page, uh, and then I found this picture of Barry Jenkins wearing a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. Yeah, he I feel like Barry Jenkins is, like, smart enough and, like, with the internet enough that he would have, like, made his Wikipedia picture to make sure that was the one he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> That's smart because a lot of these celebrities like, they're like really good looking but their wikipedia picture is shit totally. or their imdb picture looks so bad yeah it looks like it was like taken like with a camera phone in like like the early 2000s because <laughs> yeah. that's when they started acting <laughs> yeah. and nobody's updated it <laughs> oh man so just general reactions without spoilers brendan again would you like to go first yeah uh so i uh definitely dug it like i was like very into it um uh i think so I went to go see it at the uh, AMC uh, Lincoln Square uh, on 66th, 66th uh, after my last final at Brooklyn College ever. Yay! Um, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a good celebration. Um, and I, like, visually, especially, I was, like, like I was, I walked out of the theater and I was just like walking down the street and it was it was cool seeing that movie that's very much about like it's in New York City and being able to be in New York City walking around in New York City even mm-hmm. though it's in different time periods still I was like I felt very connected to it um, and I really enjoyed a lot of the performances and uh, let's see I'm trying to think what else is not spoilery I won't say anymore just because I, I I think I'm gonna accidentally spoil something but yeah overall I liked it a lot there's a couple there's like like one or two things that I had issues with, but mm-hmm. overall, I really loved Jordan, what do you, what did you think about the movie? I would not be surprised if that wins Best, best Picture. Is my bold decision. I wish. I wish. <coughs> I feel like there's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a weird year for Best Pictures just because, not to get too into Oscar talk because we're gonna have an Oscar episode, but I thought it was like a very complete film and like the most mm. complete and best looking and film I've seen this year. That being said, I've not seen A Star is Born, which is also, I've heard, a very complete film. Well, A Star is Born is losing steam in the awards conversation. Yeah. This is actually a really strange, it's a very, very odd year for yeah. awards and like the stuff that's winning in the guilds and the critic circles is not the same as what is being nominated right now. So the Oscar nominations are actually going to be an interesting morning, whereas usually it's like, oh, the same fucking people that have won everything else are nominated. This is actually going to be interesting because, like, for instance, Ethan Hawke has been, has won over 40 either guild or critic circles nomination, uh, wins for best actor for First Reformed. Oh, nice. And he was not nominated for a Golden Globe. He was not nominated for a BAFTA. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, normally, if you're nominated, if you're in first place, you're nominated for all that stuff without question. Yeah. 
and he hasn't even been nominated. Uh, Olivia Coleman is the front runner in the women's side of the guilds and critic circles, but Tony Collette is like right behind her, and Tony Collette hasn't been nominated for anything for Hereditary. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I haven't heard anything about Hereditary at all, and I, was, and I remember seeing that movie and just being like, oh, like Tony Collette is gonna win this, like no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A twenty four has not done a campaign this year, which is really interesting. People don't really know why. They're saying maybe it's a money thing, but I mean, if I was Tony Collette's agent or whatever, I would throw up a fucking billboard for her instantly like i would do something i mean it's yeah. expensive as hell but really fucking up this year like what's up with that i don't know what else did they are they pushing anything no they're not they have not <laughs> they have not <laughs> put out a single what else did they put out this year besides mid-90s and that in eighth grade oh my god they had so oh, yeah. many great films this year <laughs> yeah no they haven't campaigned they have not put out one single four-year consideration ad and every other studio literally every other studio has multiple that makes so much sense as to why because I, I, I went and looked at the writers guild nominations because uh, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if they put theirs out. And I was looking at the screenplay nominations. And, like, the screenplay nominations across the board, I think, for a lot of the award shows has been, like... like, Wait, like Was it Writers Guild? Or yeah. What? yeah for, Are they all out? Yeah, yeah Writers Guild's out. out. Yeah. Writers Guild is out, Producers Guild, the editors, oh, yeah. everything is I out. Yeah, all of these... But that was really interesting that you brought up the Writers Guild because Eighth Grade is now in the conversation for uh, original screenplay at the Oscars, which it was not before because it got nominated at the Writers right. Guild. So these really influenced the Oscars heavily, usually. But because uh, Tony Hawk and, e- and Tony Hawk, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> Tony Hawk has not been nominated for anything this year, and it's a travesty. No, just say it. Just say it's true, and then we'll pretend like it is. <laughs> of course, yeah. like a foreign audience would miss like one of the biggest problems in America, which is, like, white dudes who, like, are lost and then do terrible, destructive right. things. Right, that's another thing. Yeah. People act like the Golden Globes influence the Oscars so much, it really doesn't at all. It's a group of 90 people that live in other countries who are not members of the Academy who vote for them, and yeah. they really are not as tuned into um, the same issues that are going on here. So it's, like, just... The Golden Globes is like a total crab shoot. People usually don't realize that. Oh. Yeah, and I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast on the way over here because Jordan recommended it. And one of the things they talked about was that part of the reason why it's speculated that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won is because, like the like they were putting like all of their eggs into the basket of like just, like trying to impress the, the uh, Hollywood foreign press because they were hoping that like by doing that and by winning it would give them a good push going into the Oscars, which might like they'll probably get nominated for sure, but. I'm not. I'm not convinced that it'll get nominated for Best Picture. But you don't think Bohemian Rhapsody? No, no, because because listen, (laughs) I I love Moonlight, but Moonlight won that year because they had just gotten all of that shit thrown on them for the Oscar so white thing. Mm -hmm. The year before was the major year where people really got mad about it and said "fuck you." And I'm not saying Moonlight didn't deserve to win. It 100% absolutely deserved to win that award. But because of the racism in the Academy, like. If that hadn't happened, the Oscar White thing hadn't happened, La La Land would have won that Best Picture. I have no doubt about it, right? And so now I feel like the Academy is, like, really pushing to pay more attention to these movies that star people of color and are about the black experience or totally. or or another kind of experience you know what i mean not not obviously like crazy rich asians has even been in the oscar conversation Ooh. i don't think that'll get a best like picture Roma. sag yeah, nominations sure. are actually very interesting yeah SAG, sag nominations are a little bit better but you know what they didn't really give it to beale street i think regina king got snubbed in sag i think they oh, didn't oh, get nominated shit, what? yeah they didn't get nominated for ensemble for SAG, so 
It's and, but SAG anyone like so many fucking people that are in the union that never work they work like once a year. It's like your local mailman can be in SAG. So like that that I would think is the one that's something like Bohemian Rhapsody, like something that's more for the everyman rather right. than an artsy picture like Beale Street would win and or get nominated. Ooh, Margot Robbie, Robbie got a nomination from SAG. Yeah, she also got a BAFTA nomination, and uh, Saoirse Ronan did not for Mary Queen of Scots, but Mar- uh, Margot Robbie did. Interesting. God, that's so fascinating. Oh it's it, you never know, and the Baptists are also uh, usually <coughs> pretty racist. Like for instance, Denzel Washington has never been nominated for one. Oh my what? god, <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. You should like end your awards if you're like an acting award. How long? The Baptists have been around for like. I mean, for longer than Denzel's been around. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's why he's so mad at the award shows. He's like, freaking BAFTAs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, all the different... Wait, so Barry Jenkins got snubbed, right? Wait. For what? He didn't uh, get be- director. He didn't get best director at that's Golden Globes. Was. He was not nominated. Yeah, Bailey. Um, I guess we'll get into the spoilers. Yeah, but hear your, that's your thoughts why. on the film to get into you guys. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yes, we did. We did. Cool. Thank you for um, forgetting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like other stuff we could talk about before we keep going. Like, yeah, can we, we talked about to... the cinematography. No, we need, we need, we haven't talked about it at all, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jordan, would you like to? I feel like you're the one out of us who liked it the most because yes. when when you texted us about it, you said that it was even better than you expected, which surprised me because I did not feel that way. So you go off on your rave. <laughs> oh yeah, I just thought it was such a cool like picture of life and like i haven't read the novel but like i'm assuming it like feels like the novel i'm assuming to a certain extent or like adds on to the novel Mm. i thought all the acting performances were spectacular like uh brian tyree henry is in the film yeah uh and he's amazing and he's one of my favorite actors after atlanta is one of my favorite shows now (laughs) So, um, I haven't really seen him in a lot of the other things that he's been doing, though. I'm trying to think. I didn't see Widows. Yeah, he's in Widows, yeah. Um, well, he actually is, well, he didn't, I don't think he won, but he's, uh, kind of an EGOT guy because he got nominated for an Emmy for Atlanta. He got nominated for a Tony for Lobby Hero that he was in with, uh, Chris Evans this mm. past summer or spring. I can't even remember anymore. But, yeah, he, he's kind of making his rounds with all of these great jobs, and he totally deserves it. We'll talk about his major, you know, single scene later, but mm. anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, it's just, like, he's a genius actor, and he just plays, like, not a big role in the film. They have great performances from so many different actors who are like, oh, I recognize them. Wh- who is that? The supporting <laughs> like, cast was yeah. very, very good. Yeah. There's, like, an actor who pops up. I don't know if it's a spoiler to say it, but it, like, really, like, surprised me when I... Should I say it now, or should I wait till Oh, it's not, I think I know what you're talking about. It's okay. not a spoiler. Okay. Yeah, so when Dave Franco popped up on the screen <laughs> as, like, a Jewish real estate salesman, I was like, that shit was fire. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I like that Dave Franco just has, like, a very, like, almost weirder selection of films than his brother. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Not weirder, <laughs> but, like, he's done so many, like, interest. Like, he's more comedic, I almost feel like, at this point. Have you guys seen the uh, the sketches that him and James did together uh, back when, like, before Dave even, like, really started acting? 
I don't think so. I, I don't know the name of them, but if you look them up, it, there's these, these three videos where it's essentially it's James Franco teaching Dave Franco how to be an actor, <laughs> and it's they're, they're they're so freaking funny to watch because he's just like they do like like um, a scene from Rebel Without a Cause, and, and they're doing like they have him like on like a, a bench pretending to be like on the glider in Spider Man. Uh, That's yeah. funny. Yeah, they're funny. <laughs> do you guys remember the first time you saw Dave Franco in a film? Twenty One Jump Street. I guess I don't know. Super bad. Was he in Superbad? He's the guy who gets hit in the head by the ball, or who gets mad at Jonah Hill for kicking their ball. At the oh gym my God! Place. Yeah. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? He's just like mad. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Yeah. I love Superbad. Damn. And that was that Freaks and Same. Geeks connection to Judd Apatow. Right. Oh God, it's also interconnected. <laughs> yep. So, anything um, else about general? Barry Jenkins is just a master of the craft, and I will go see his films even swifter than I saw this film. Even I've been swifter. very busy. Yeah, because um, it took me a while to see it. The, the thing that like, after I walked out of the movie, because there are some movies I saw this year that I, that I went into not thinking or thinking I was gonna like them more than I actually did. This one, I like, and like a lot of that came down to like I, I after I left the movie, I felt like it wasn't a very earnest movie, but like this movie, just like Moonlight, but in a different way. Like this movie, I was like Barry Jenkins cared a lot about this movie, and you could tell like in everything, like, like all the detail. There are certain like shots that he gets with like that where there's like no dialogue and it's just music played or everything was a picture. Yeah, which the next podcast we're doing is going to be a similar discussion. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, across the board, like I thought it was like very solid, and uh, I won't spoil it now. But like, I didn't realize how much I liked the movie until it was over, and then once the ending happens, I was like, oh, I like really, really like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Talk. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna edit that out now. <laughs> Jordan was like doing something weird to me. Bit, like, I'm sorry like, that was weird. <laughs> it doesn't make you feel weird. Well, just I didn't know if you were gonna talk. And I didn't know if you wanted to go into spoilers. We have to take a break eventually and give people capitalism so that if they want to listen to our podcast, we could get a couple of dimes. Yeah. Well, Literal they, dimes. They can't see you, so next time just be verbal about it. Well, if I'm verbal, then they can hear it. Yeah, that's that's the idea. I don't know what no, was... the idea is to communicate off voice. <laughs> I know it was funnier watching Jordan's face or, or watching Leah's face. Like, <laughs> re, like, she's like, like, what? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> Is there something on your tongue? <laughs> uh, anyway, I was a little disappointed with this movie. I still think it's great. I still think you should go see it. But I didn't connect to it as much as Moonlight at all. However, I think that it was... First of all, the, there's two scenes that I really love, which I'll get more into. Well, more than two scenes, but I think Regina King's first scene is so good, mm. where she basically, there's so little said, like um, like you were saying, like, there's no dialogue, but, like, there is dialogue at this at this moment, but there's a lot of moments where there's no dialogue, and people are just acting with their eyes and their faces, and that's what I love so much. And that scene between uh, when... Uh, Tish reveals that she's pregnant and they're like let's get um, Fani who's who's her boyfriend let's get his family over here and let's tell them and that epic scene between mm. the two families where the one family is all for it and the other family is not and uh, except for the father 
the uh, Fani's father is kind of like more with the other family, but they there are some zingers in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, no spoilers yet? Yeah, <laughs> I want to say because I like I feel like a lot of people have either not been talking about the two leads or have been talking about them in a negative way. And I I gotta say like I like, I completely disagree with all that. I thought that. Kiki Lane and Stefan James, I guess. Yeah. Why do people like them? What's the critiques of their performance? I've I've heard a lot of people say that like they're they're not doing anything. They're like boring. They're not like captivating at all. I think it's. I think that it's more like this. The supporting (laughs) cast is so good that people are kind of like, oh, the leads are, like, new, like, they'll have their time, and, like, you know, they're focusing more, and and the supporting... Although the lead is not new, he was Jesse Owens, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Was he also somebody else? Wasn't he, like, Martin Luther King, too, or was that somebody else? No, that was uh, David O. Yellow O. Oh, he played him? Yeah. He was in that, though, I think. I think he was in the Maybe, yeah. Oh, wait, no, he played uh, the dude who's uh, John Lewis. Right? Was that who he played? I, don't I, don't know. I was just looking up this the other day. I haven't seen Selma. I'm a piece of shit. I need to watch Selma. <laughs> 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 well, still, like the two leads are lesser known than some of the other actors in the movie. So, I I don't know. But one thing I didn't like was the narration. Like I think she was a good actress, but I did not need all that narration at all. I found it very kind of like tiring. It was yeah. Exhausting for me. I agree with that actually. But I think like. First of all, I, one thing I loved about this movie is, like, the color palette. Very specific. Just, like, Moonlight with, like, the purples and the blues and, like, the darkness. This was, like, very, like, very 70s. Like, the costumes were amazing. Ugh. At some point, like, they all, you know, they, they even, like, have matching outfits and yeah. shit like that, which is never addressed. It's just, like, a visual thing, which I really like. And, obviously, like, when I say it was disappointing, I still feel... By the feel... way, he did play John Lewis in... <laughs> <Selma>. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> People were wondering. I was on Wikipedia. Thank yeah. you. You did the scrolling. I still feel like the movie is so, like, well-crafted, mm. obviously. Like, this is someone who knows how to make a movie and takes extreme care. And like you, I really enjoyed, like, the New York aspect because I knew Beale Street was in New Orleans, so I didn't even realize it was set in New York. Mm. And then when they, they had that, that part at the beginning, like, the word, the text on the screen, I was like, oh, okay, like, I understand that, but at the same time, I still thought it was going to be set in New Orleans. Right, right. <laughs> the whole movie, Leah's just like, so when are we going to New Orleans? <laughs> right. Like, Yo, TBH, what is Barry Jenkins going to do his New Orleans film? That would be great. I feel like that's the natural, like, next progression after he does Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. Wait, is that happening? He's doing a television series, Kerry Fukunaga style, writing, directing the first ten episodes. Whoa. Cool. Showrunner, Barry Jenkins. So. Amazon, I think. Is it Amazon? I think it's Amazon. They're, Amazon's killing it, so yeah. I'm not surprised. But anyways, what I was going to say is the w- one thing I love about the movie is the portrayal of romance, especially, like, the portrayal of, like, two black people being in love. Because, you know, if you think about... If, if you think about... Jordan, again, was gesturing at me <laughs> instead of speaking. Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back. And we're back. Hey, guys. We hope so... you like that ad. We're going to do another ad right now for the same product. No. 
So what I was saying before we had our little break <laughs> is that I love the portrayal of romance between two black people because if you think about all the classic Hollywood romances, there are like no black people at all in them. Mm. It's never, I mean, maybe there's a black friend somewhere in the more recent ones in history, but when you think of like all the, the top like romance films, it's there's no black people. And like the way that they just unabashedly like take their time with like the first love scene and everything, like before they're even actually like touching like the whole you know the whole like leading up to it and they really show like every detail I thought that was really beautiful and the like the the romantic moments like I thought they got them really right even though I wasn't crazy about the narration just the like it reminded me of romantic moments in my own life like the way that they looked at each other and like you could really feel their love and also the portrayal of going from friends to more than friends and like how they describe that I thought was really, really beautiful. Like, that wasn't my experience, but I felt like I knew that experience. Like, I would, you know, they showed them, like, when they were so little, and then they showed, like, the first day that they were, like, falling in love, and they were like, oh, actually, we belong together. That was really beautiful. I loved that. And that scene, uh, I that, that scene, it's a very short, uh, well, it's not short, actually, I thought the scene was a little bit too long, but the, 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 but it's, it's short compared to the, what the other character, yeah, no, I did, it's, it's short compared to what the other characters have, which is, like, most of the movie, uh, Brian Tyree Henry coming in and, and talking about, um, should we get into spoilers? Well, first, I just want to say, in general, like, what he talks about, oh, okay. just, like, the black experience uh, in prison and, you know, uh, in a lesser movie, I think they would have shown Fani in prison. You know what I mean? Like, they would have shown him yeah. getting beat up. They would have shown him getting raped or something like that, and they would have shown, like, that brutality. And even though in films, like, you're supposed to show, not tell, like, that's the typical, like, that's the thing, like, we all learn in film school or whatever, but if your writing is this good and your actors are this good, and your framing is this good, even though, like, that, that, um, that scene was, like, kind of, like, a very basic, like, way that it was shot, it wasn't, like, the most fascinating, like, it wasn't, like, Moonlight or something like that, but I thought they, they really didn't need that. Wait, which scene we're talking about? This is the... Brian the... Tyree Henry. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, right. yeah, so, overall, I, I, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, I wasn't as engaged as I wanted to be, and there were some things I was confused about, which we'll get more into into that in spoilers but I still recommend it and I think people should go see it and I want people to go see it because even if this one wasn't my favorite this guy is capable of a lot of things that Barry Jenkins is capable of a lot of things that many 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 people in this industry are completely not capable of so go see it for sure amen should we get into spoilers Jordan, you come, do the honors, come closer. Brendan? I feel like you're out there on yeah no I was trying to be comfortable on this little bed thing that's in the <laughs> I think we'll have our guests, if we ever have guests on a regular basis, we'll have them say spoilers. Oh boy, okay, ready? One, two, three. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. So this is the part of the episode where we're going to talk about spoilers in A Feel Street Could Talk. So if you have not seen it yet, turn it off, go see it, and then play it again. Alright, spoiler talk. Alright, to start spoiler talk, I would like to say how I'm upset with you for ruining the Brian Tyree Henry part. (laughs) (laughs) For people who are non-spoiler people. I don't know, is that a spoiler? No, he's in the trailer. Oh, oh, he's in it? Well, no, but just what he talks about. I feel like that's kind of a spoiler. Is that a spoiler? Uh, Uh, I feel like the whole theme of the movie is like how life is unfair for people of color. 
Yeah, I think like I think hearing him say it is like way different than hearing about him say it. True. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. like I'm like I said like oh he dies, which he doesn't die anyway. But <laughs> like, like a, that nice. would be a spoiler. But I was like he dies, right. or like a spoiler would be he you know. Bonnie does not get out of prison. That's probably the big spoiler. Yeah, yeah that's a good spoiler. He has to live out his sentence. There you guys go, spoiler people. Oh, yes, there you go. Nice hot spoiler right <laughs> off the press. Yeah, and actually, what you were saying before about the book, I haven't read the book, but I, I read some, like, comparisons of the book, and the book is actually a lot darker. It ends on, like, an even more brutal, sad note. Um, Fonny's father ends up killing himself. Whoa. That's, like, how the book ends. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah. Was there any way it was implied in the movie? No. And they just didn't show it? No, nah, Fonny's father just, like, drinking. He's always like, yeah, let's go get a drink together. <laughs> yeah. Every, every scene, I think. Uh, yeah. No, actually, I, I, even though there's a lot of parts of the, the movie that made me sad, I felt, like, hopeful, uh, when I walked out yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I thought that was the whole point of the film. Right. It's just, like, the terrible situations that they were put in, and then how they were able to still see the beauty in the small things mm. and the beauty of the place that they live and just the environment mm-hmm. where there's just always things going on. There's always people popping up in the neighborhood to talk to and hang out with. Mm. Um, you know what? I cannot believe I didn't mention during the non-spoiler part is the fucking score is so good. By oh, Nicholas yeah. Bertel. That was my favorite part of the entire movie. I was constantly like, not distracted in a bad way, but, like, it's so enveloping, and it's, like, such a grand score. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, and the music moves with the picture. Like, they, they move together so well. It's so, so cool to watch. Like, mm-hmm. specifically, like, I think my, my favorite shot of the entire film is the one of Fani when he's carving the wood, and it's, like, I think it's, like, moving in slow motion. It's, like, doing, like, a 360 around him, and that was used in the and the, the marketing, uh, I think, I've never seen an ad on, on Instagram where he's doing, like, the carving and, like, the wood shavings, like, splinter off into saying, like, like, like the, the coming t- uh, to theaters, like, you know, whatever day it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, that shot is just, like, so beautiful to watch, though. I agree. Something we didn't talk about, what did you guys think of uh, the, uh, Fonny's mom getting hit by Fonny's dad? Oh, yeah. Because uh, I thought that was an interesting choice to put that in, given, like, domestic violence and, like, what we've been talking about in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like, what is that controversial at all, or is that just, like... I think, it, I think it was the 70s, and I think that they're also showing how, like, this family is not the good family. Like, there's right. the good family and the bad family, you know? Yeah, I I think overall, like, the, like one of, like, the only big problems I had with the movie was uh, Fonny's family. Like, you, like, do see the dad, like, pop up, like, to- like as they're trying to figure out how to get him out of prison, but, like, the mother and the sisters just, like, drop off. And, like, I get that they... Oh, I hated that, too. Yeah, I hated that that. That, that, that. that was a mistake. Yeah, that was that was a legitimate mistake because, one, the last scene they were in was so... It, like, it was that scene where it's, like, it's, it's, like, so ripe with tension and, like, I want to see these families, like... Mm-hmm. It was. It would. It'd be interesting to watch Tish's family want to get Fonny out of prison more than Fonny's own mother and sisters, because they pretty much like, mm-hmm. like, like, both in like terms of the story and also just like the characters. They like they're just gone. Like they just like disappear. Yeah, from the movie. they set up it. They set this up so brilliantly, and then they disappear. And how amazing would it be? If there was a scene where Fonny's mom, you know, showed up to the apartment like crying or something, and she was suddenly like vulnerable and showing a different side of herself, and then she went to Puerto Rico with Tish's mom oh. and they had this like joining forces like two women like doing that and and this you know the sisters too like I just I just wanted to see more of all of them yeah but go back going back to your question I think um 
because like that it, the movie felt like it wasn't it, it didn't think of it as being controversial that he hit her it was kind of just like because like she's just like saying all this mean stuff and then he hits her and then they don't really talk about it at all right like it, it kind of just it just happens yeah, yeah like <laughs> and also yeah it's never appropriate you should never hit a woman no matter what but I think that they framed it in a way where they were like, doesn't she deserve something? Yeah. You know? Have Regina King just come in and knock Wallop her, her that yeah. would have been... Well, then that is kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. This is what she did deserve something. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so... So that's my one flaw with the film. Word. No, I, I agree with that. The scene I wanted to talk about that confused me is the scene where Tisha's mom confronts the woman who is claiming to be raped Mm. and because okay so the whole film they are pushing like Fani is innocent like not only is he this like really sweet nice gentle person who you don't think could rape someone but on top of that they're saying well these two people were with him at the time of this alleged rape and it would have been impossible and they even show the map and everything so Mm. they're like he is innocent period right yeah I thought that they were going to reveal that he actually was an innocent. I thought they were going to reveal that somehow he managed to do this because they sh- that scene, the woman, like, gives absolutely no indication that she has any doubt at all. And especially during this era, it's, again, like, kind of feeding into what you were saying about getting hit. Like, is that controversial? This era right now of this Me Too movement is, like, any woman that, that claims anything or man that claims any kind of sexual assault, if you don't believe her you are a bad person. And if you write on Twitter, I don't know, I think maybe we should, like, investigate this more. You're horrible, you're not standing up for people that are sexually assaulted, what if this was you or your mother or your daughter, how would you feel, blah, blah, blah. And so in this movie, they do make a point of saying, like, we believe she was raped, like, she was raped, but it was not this person. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they she would give some indication of, like, maybe she was paid off, or, like, maybe she doesn't really know, but, like... Well, that's, that's kind of the implication, is that, like by her just naming the black guy in the lineup that he was, like, shown, is she's, like, just getting this out of her hair. Like, she never has to think about it again. Like, she's going to Puerto Rico. Like, we could make this all stop. We could find the guy who did it so that you don't have to, like, worry about being out in the world anymore, which obviously she doesn't believe that they got the guy who did it if she moved back to Puerto Rico. I don't or know. Maybe not that, but... I, I don't know. I could see myself... I could see, if that happened to me, I could see myself, like, going home, like, to, like, be away from, because she also could have just been, like, well, it's New York, and, you know, she probably didn't live in the nicest apartment in the Mm -hmm. nicest area, too, so, like, it could happen again, or, yeah, I don't know, I just, I thought they needed to, to indicate in some way that, like, she was unsure, but they didn't, she was sure, she was, like, and she even says to her, she, she says to Regina King, like, one thing I know about you is you've never been raped, implying, like, I know who raped me. Like, he raped me. I know who this person was. And that, to me, was just like... Now, I don't think he actually did it. I don't think they were saying that. But I thought that was a cloudy moment. And mm-hmm. and I guess, like... I asked someone else about this, and they were like, well, I think that they were trying to show that, like, she's so traumatized that she can't even think about who it might be. Mm, yeah. So, like, she can't even go there. And so she just, like, picked someone. Unfortunately, it was him. And she doesn't want to ever think about it again. And and I guess that makes the most sense. Because otherwise, I just... I wish they gave some indication of her, of her saying, like... Even if she said, like, woman to woman, like, 
I'm not sure, but like I can't go back there and pick another person. I can't do this. Like I mm. can't I can't go back there in my mind and see who it really was. Mm. So it was also kind of like a scene in the film that kind of tied it together to me where it was like, oh, look what the men have done. Like, I'm literally coming over here because my daughter's baby daddy is in jail because somebody raped you and you were manipulated by a police officer who was racist to put my daughter's boyfriend in jail. <laughs> also right. a good synopsis uh, uh, yeah. of, of Feel Street Could Talk. That was like very succinct, Jordan. <laughs> no, and I like that. Like, look at all this bullshit that we've been put totally. through because we associate with men. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, when I watched it, I, see, I did get that impression. I did get the impression that she was, like, a little hesitant at first, and then when she, because I, I, I don't remember the, like what the exact dialogue exchange was, but I feel like early on when, when Regina King is first pressing her, she's, like, a little more hesitant, and then, like, and then the more that Regina King presses on her and, like, like keeps trying to, like, get, a, like, a solid answer out of her, that's when she kind of, like, locks down and is like, nope, I did see it. And I don't know if that was, like, the script being too subtle, maybe, or if it was, like, the acting performance didn't, like indicate that because yeah cause I, like i like i felt the same way like there's no part of me that ever thought that fawny actually did it especially as the film went on mm-hmm. yeah but that scene was like so good i mean it, you have to think about the stakes like there's so many movies <sighs> that try to build high stakes and then they get to the moment and you're like this isn't i don't really care <laughs> mm-hmm. and this movie it was like imagine <clears throat> having like the like the fate of your daughter's life in your hands and like traveling all that way and 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 they're like and all of this is is going to change your life as you know it if you can just get this woman to mm. tell the truth and then that moment of realizing like it's over like this is this is going to happen this is how our life is going to get carried out like once again you know we are on this we're on this other side to like this white cop and all these other people that are racist like we are these this other group of people that deserves this and there's nothing I can do about it like I thought she portrayed that really well and the, the whole scene with the wig and, and like not knowing what to do and like taking the wig oh, off oh that was awesome yeah, oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like Regina King's character could have her had like her own side movie where it's just about her trying to like like go to Puerto Rico try to prove that her uh, her daughter's baby daddy mm-hmm. Uh, is innocent because like that like, like that like even felt like it was a kind of like a like a separate thing like it, it's all connected to the same story but like like her going over there felt like it was a separate thing but I enjoyed like ev- like I never felt like it was like derailing the movie I was like I felt like like that was a, one of the most important things I could have had at that point in the film yeah I'm not really crazy about nonlinear stories as much anymore as I was in my mm. youthful age. <laughs> But this was a case where I was like, oh, it was perfect. Like, the order that he showed us stuff was so perfect. I don't know how much it mimics the order of the book. Mm. But it was just so cool, like, the Brian Tyree Henry scene being where it was. Yeah. And -hmm. just, like, him listening to it and kind of being like, why are you telling me this? And it's just, like, kind of talks that... uh, like parents of black children in America talk about having with their kids now it's just like this is what being black in America is like mm. if it hasn't gotten bad for you it might get really bad for you yeah. and like be ready and like enjoy the beautiful things that you have like enjoy this conversation that we're having cuz it's not going to last long you're not going to have this freedom long <laughs> even if you do have that glimpse of it which seems to be a theme of Barry Jenkins' films, mm. like with Moonlight, like he doesn't end up with him. Like right. It's just kind of a misconnection and mm-hmm. like, a, oh, that happened. Now we're in our separate lives. Yeah. We have this nice thing, but we never get to really 
act on the thing that we've always wanted to do and like always longed for mm. which is also like kind of the idea of the close-ups is like seeing these faces of longing yeah barry jenkins is close-ups he knows how to do that <laughs> just like looking into your eyes and then looking past your eyes into your brain and then looking past your brain and into the world <laughs> I, I, was, I, I keep talking about this, but I heard this uh, interview that Barry Jenkins was responding, like he was responding to an interviewer talking about how, uh, like, his mythology for doing the close-ups, and he says that he likes to do close-ups on faces that are, like, just, like, the, the actor is, like, vulnerable and ready to give themselves over, but also, like, without dialogue. So he, like, he said, like, sometimes it can be kind of self-conscious to, like, look directly into camera uh, and, like, say words, but if you, like, say, like, just stand there, just look into camera, and just, like, feel however you want to feel, and you see that in every single one of these crazy, like, wide screen close-ups of, uh, um, of all these characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. It, it is. If you think about, because uh, the other movie, when I think of close-ups from this year, I think of A Star is Born. Mm. There are so many, but those are, those are more, like, um, natural like gritty you know steady cam or, or handheld shots and these are so stylized they are they are so still and yet there's still like this energy flowing through them and like the way that they shot it like the 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 everything like from the lighting to the color palette like with the outfits like because colored clothing and by colored i mean like bright colors on black skin just looks so good oh, the yellow the and yellow they wear that first <laughs> like one of the first scenes when they're walking up together yeah oh. yeah and and like there's that one part at the beginning where fanny and tish are both wearing red and green but like different pieces but they match it's like it's just it's just i don't know it's it's beautiful and i really hope that this movie helps people think about the black experience like maybe in a different way than they have before like if someone like all, all of us if you couldn't tell none of us in this room are black right now shocking i know uh, <laughs> and and you know like you know because i can never have that experience i and and i think barry jenkins films illuminate it in a way that a lot of films try to but literally because the lighting <laughs> no cinematographers have lit for black people like right. historically Word. that was like the big deal about moonlight was he was like the first filmmaker to like light black faces the way that they're actually Whoa. supposed to be lit <laughs> yeah um what so i i alluded to this in the non-spoiler section but um I, as i was watching the movie like i was definitely enjoying it but it wasn't until the end of it when i like really got what like the whole thing was about and like that made me just like love the movie as a whole, which was, because the whole time, the, the whole, like, one of the themes of the movie is parents, like, sacrificing for their kids and, like, living for them, like, knowing that, okay, like, and that's what, the, like, the, the movie's mostly about is, like, um, Tisha's family, especially, like, they're, like, and, like, and Fonny's father, they're, like, we have to do whatever it takes to keep these t kids together because they know how special love is and how special young love is, and, like, the whole thing is, like, them, like, trying to, like, do whatever it takes to, like, allow them to be able to live their lives, and then when it gets to the end of the movie, when, it's that scene when they're in like the prison, when they're in like the like uh, common or like, no, what's it called? When like the, like the visitor section, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, and like the you know their son you know goes up to Fani and like you you see like oh okay now like things have switched now it's like up to Fani and Tish to live for their child and do whatever it takes for the child to be able to have like the best like and that's like and I, I've been ta I've been thinking about this a lot about how like that's like a, a thing that you hear with a lot of people like parents are always like oh I sacrificed that way that you could have what I didn't have. And it's like a never-ending perpetual cycle, like that, constantly happening to the point, like, like which, like. Also, think how old that person is right now. 
Yeah, right, right, yeah. Like, they're, like, a 60-year-old person, yeah. right? Uh, person. Yeah, they're, like, I mean, they're, like, at least old enough to have kids of their own, for sure. So if you think of that generation of, like, black families that you know from New York City, it's, like, that was, like, the world that they were living in. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, probably, I wonder what people say about, like, who lived in that time. Well, my dad was a cop in the 70s in the city and in Newark, New Jersey, and he always says that, like, like, the neighborhood he grew up in in Harlem was all Italian, and then it, um, and it switched over to being all black, but when it was all Italian, like, if a black person, like, dared, like, walk across the street into their area, like, they would just get beaten up, and he was like, I saw that, and I was like, I don't really think that that's fair, like, he would say, like, to his parents, like, oh, like, they didn't do anything, like, they were just, like, like, literally walking, and... And uh, so then when he was a cop, like, he always tried to, like, he recognized when maybe other cops were like, oh, like, this guy did this. And my dad was like, oh, I don't, like, I didn't see that, you know? Like, (laughs) I don't know if that happened. And, and, like, I remember, and I think that that kind of contributed to how I grew up because I remember one day, uh, someone said the n-word at school and I had heard it in movies but I never knew what it meant and my uncle was living with us at the time and he was like my buddy so like I knew it was bad but I said to him like hey like what does this word mean and I said the word and he was like he like gasped and was like you can't ever say that word oh my god don't ever say it don't ever say it and I was like why like what does it mean and he's like just don't ever say it and like he got like mad at me and then I guess he told my parents and my dad like called me into the den like that was his like room where he hung out and like yeah <laughs> and he like had this like conversation with me and I was really young I was probably like six and he had this like really serious conversation with me and like he told me about like growing up and like his time as a cop and all this stuff and he was like he was like I dealt with all kinds of people and he's like what I can tell you is there are good white people and there are bad white people and there are good black people and there are bad black people and it's all the same no matter who you are and like I always remember that to that remember this that day because it was like such a tense thing I was like what's going on like what the hell is this word mean like (laughs) it was really really intense you know so that if you're asking like what people back then would say about I mean that's when he said about it, but forever, and I'm not saying like my dad's the savior of you know African Americans or anything like that, but well, yeah, he's, he's Tony Blitz. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, what year did, did uh, the Green Book take place in? That was that 60s or is that 60s? Yeah, it was. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, wow. The scene that what really got me was. The flash, like when they would flash back to like any moment between Fonny and Tish, like that was romantic. It got me every single time. Oh, on the subway, when they're like standing across from each other, and there's like like looking up and like trying, <laughs> trying to, like, they're, they're doing that thing that like like couple like when people like like when two people like each other but they're like afraid to make the first move. It's just like the like looking up and then like they look at you and then you look down. And, <laughs> oh, it's, uh, have you you've seen uh, before before sunrise? sunrise. That, that's like, one of my favorite scenes in any movie is when they're listening to, to the record. The Oh, Jordan. It's on my list. You have to see it. I'm going to have free time, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, they're <laughs> such enjoyable movies. That really got to me. Like, all the scenes walking around New York, like, I guess I'm going to get into another personal story, so yeah. you're welcome, guys. Yeah. Down the wormhole. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers of my life. <laughs> yeah, so my first date with my boyfriend was literally, like, before sunrise, because we, we, knew, we knew each other for a couple weeks, but we met in the city at like 7 30 p.m and we didn't separate until like 10 a.m the next morning but we didn't like do anything physical we literally just walked around new york all night and like stopped at different places and stuff and like you know 
was it was like it was like magical like it was totally like the movies and so seeing like moments of them like in the street like when they uh when they when they were going to get the groceries like before it turned into a total shit show because of that asshole um but then when they were happy like just going to get gross like just because because when you're in love with someone or even even not when you're in love but even just like with friends like it's always the simplest things that you remember that are really fun like mm. it's never like oh remember your wedding day that was great it's always like oh remember that day that we like played video games <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean no, like, it's like it's like whatever you know and and uh just like hanging out like walking down the street like that kind of stuff on the subway like walking into central park or like whatever just like being together like that they really did a good job of a strong strong portrayal of just like being with someone like they're not there's not this overly like like in your face like wow i love you you're just so beautiful like you're the best like mm. it, there's nothing that that they say it's just like they but you can you hear everything like without words that was really good. And when they, right before she gave birth, when they flash back to the moment where they're celebrating the street because they got into the apartment mm. and he's like lifting her up and stuff. Oh my God. I was like, I'm not ready oh. for this baby yet. <laughs> that, was the, that was the part in the trailer where I was, when I watched it, I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I can't wait to see this in the movie. And then uh, I saw it in the movie and I was even more excited watching it. And I was like, oh, like that is just like, because I, I agree. I think the, the, the way that they, portray the romance in the movie is the best thing that, that they do like they execute like i think flawlessly because it's just it, it's so enjoyable to watch and it feels like very authentic and uh i just like i love watching them be in love with each other yeah oh and you know what else when you guys were talking about the the scene at the end when they they bring she brings uh their son in and he's like what five at that point four yeah, or something some, yeah. so I didn't know this, but when I was watching or reading about the comparisons of the book and the movie, that, remember when when she says, like, oh, ever since I told him, like, he's been writing it down over and over again? So that was Fonny's release date. But they, I don't, I, I think they said it a little bit, but they didn't kind of, like, make it that clear. Did you guys pick up on that? Oh. Oh, no, I don't think I did. Yeah. I think they should have pronounced that a little more, because I think that's, like, a really nice like touch you know oh yeah damn that he keeps writing i mean it's really sad that he keeps she's like that's all he keeps talking about her and he keeps writing it down over and over yeah and i wonder how like they don't say how long the sentence uh, is yeah yeah it's kind of just indefinitely i mean i hope not <laughs> yeah right right yeah, i hope fondy got out of prison yes yeah Ugh. so would you recommend this movie Hell yeah, fuck yeah. If you don't like this movie, I don't respect you as a movie viewer. If you're like, I dislike this movie. Uh, well, I was going to say yes before Jordan said all of that, but now that Jordan said all of that, I'm definitely going to say, uh, heck yeah, frick yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, um, hells yeah, motherfucker, yeah. Because I think what you said is, is true. Even if you, like, don't like all this movie, like, Barry Jenkins is a filmmaker, too. Like, you, you, like no matter what he makes, you'll get something out of it. And uh, there will be many good things on the horizon for him for shows. Mm -hmm. Also, we need him to get back into movies after this TV show that he's about yeah. to do. Right. And if you're not an artsy person, like, you're not into this kind of movie, I mean, I encourage you to see it anyway, but, like... <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day, and she was talking about, and I love her, she's a great person, but she was talking about, like, something she watched on Netflix that was more of, like, a, kind of, like, a teen, silly, like, thing. Like, some, Sierra Burgess is a loser? No, it was some kind of, like... <laughs> I watched that. It was something, like, like, it was some kind of thriller, and, and she was like, yeah, like, what have you seen on Netflix recently? And I was like, oh, I watched Roma, and she was like, is it scary? And I was like, no. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, but like some people are just completely like she she said that she was watching Netflix all weekend and I was like wow like Netflix isn't pushing Roma on me like so much even before I watched like it was like and maybe that's because I do watch like artsier things and she doesn't so maybe it didn't even come up for her but I, I thought they were like pushing it for everyone I was Same. like it's like wow like some people just really like they just aren't in like they, they're just not into that world so if you're one of those people at least listen to the score like just just take a few minutes. It's on Spotify. Just play it. And if that doesn't encourage you to see the movie, then I guess I guess you're really hopeless. I don't know. Oh, so that's a good segue to what you should watch before the next episode, which is Roma. Yeah, we're going to talk about Roma. What did you have to say, Brendan? Uh, no, I was just saying, like, yeah, I'm probably going to play uh, the Beale Street uh, score tonight before I go to bed. Like I, I was like, thinking about it. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a nice lullaby. That would be a nice thing to fall asleep to. Yeah. yeah. Something good to edit to. Just listen to the Beale Street soundtrack as I'm watching people <laughs> in the woods. He starts off <laughs> editing it. By, by the end of it, he's actually just carving a <laughs> computer. <laughs> All right, guys. Me, Brennan, and Jordan are going to put on the Beale Street soundtrack and just hold each other, so... We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, Jordan. Bye, Brandon. Bye. Bye. This has been a Rhino Comedy production. Find us on Instagram at rhinos underscore r underscore funny. Rhinocomedy.com Rhino Comedy on Facebook. And live comedy every Friday and Saturday night at 96 Lafayette Ave in Suffern, New York.